0: Hello there and welcome to episode 35 of the Hawthorne's Debate Club my name is Jamie Clay and I'm joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion so let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins hello and hello to my little brother Joe Clay hello So, it seems as though Albion are determined to take us on a guided tour of the nine circles of hell. As Dante adjacent Valerian Ishmael and his side put us through another performance riddled with all of the usual eye bleeding nonsense that we've come to expect of Smash It Long and Hope Ball. Yes, that's right. Another fixture falls off the calendar and flutters to the ground. And despite reassurances that he changed and that there would be a return to the golden days of frantic Valball, we entered the lion's den and capitulated to a pretty desperate Millwall team. And yet despite another dash in the L column, like Jason Voorhees, it seems Val will survive what other mere mortals cannot. And it leaves us with the whispering question, Simply put, why do we keep letting ourselves get hurt? Oh, and apparently it was Kenneth Zahore's birthday on Monday. But before we get to all of the vast celebrations, let me say a huge thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. We love you. And never ask for anything more than your unfailing love and loyalty. Because you listen to this podcast, you are no doubt popular and loved by all. So please use your social clout to share the podcast. We do appreciate you as our pod children. So on today's podcast, we will discuss our most recent dip into the void of Ball against Millwall. We will discuss Kenneth Zahore's birthday. Um, and also Transfer Deadline Day if we do get to it. Before generally, just moving on to what I imagine will be another podcast filled with discontent and moaning about life, love, and West Brom. So let's talk about the Millwall game on Saturday. At approximately three o'clock, Albion were playing against Millwall in what seems to be almost a carbon copy of the Preston game, perhaps slightly better in some regards, but still very much open for debate. It finished 2-0, Albion perhaps started okay. New boy Andy Carroll made his debut and looked pretty good, I think is a fair way of describing it. To start off on his debut, the first half kind of faded into the usual fog that we associate with West Brom games at the moment, not really an awful lot happening. The second half was an echo of the Preston game, a real miserable performance, all of the usual traits that we've seen over the last couple of weeks re-emerged and Mill took advantage of that. Finally running out as winners 2-0. Bennett and Afobi being both the goal scorers. It finished pretty much even. Stevens in the possession, 48.8%. I think that 0.8% is critical, wouldn't you say? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, we don't do stats by half. 48.8% <laughs> being nearly half. It's a little maths joke for you there if you're listening. We had seven shots with only three on target against Millwall, who had nine shots, and three of theirs were on target as well. Snap. Right, let's talk about this game. It was a game off the back of some really interesting comments from Valerian Ishmael saying that he was frustrated by the game against Preston as much as the fans were, that he felt almost like they'd lost some of their identity, that their soul of the side had been taken away. I'm putting words in his mouth there, but I very much feel like he was talking about a soul-snatching situation. And in effect, he wanted to return to the exciting heart attack football that we saw in the first three or four games. But kickoff happened, and it was quite apparent that nothing had changed. So ultimately, guys, I guess the question is to start, what did you make of this 90 minutes of football?
1: Same as Preston,
0: but like you said, a bit
1: better. I just think, I don't think the players are down tools, but I just think they know the end is near and I think it's just you know when you're working and Christmas break is coming up you know you like take your pedal off the gas it seems like there's no Val's leaving that's how it felt like in this game and I think Millwall knew we are there for the taking and they played better than us and I don't think that's hard at the moment I think most teams in the championship could beat us and a lot of teams in the league one probably could beat us and I think that's just the whole morale around the team I think the players aren't playing for him or they're not trying hard enough I don't know what it is Val's heart's not in it the border a bit distant yeah I just think that Millwall game sums up the whole club at the moment and I know you wanted to ask about a game but the only highlight for me and I think it was the only highlight that was on Quest that they showed for the Albion was the Andy Carroll shot which to be fair to Andy Carroll when it comes to a volley Andy Carroll can hit it and he always hits it so so cleanly but that goalkeeper did so well we should have been 1-0 up there but yeah I think those two performances let's say Preston and Millwall sums up the Albion at the moment and Val's 10 tenure at the helm and probably the boards tenure
0: quick question just to throw out there the ball is bouncing on the edge of the 18 yard box dropping at the perfect height about knee height you can have one of two players to hit the strike Andy Carroll as you said Joe got a bit of special talent in his locker has hit a few bicycle kicks in his time a few volley screamers or James Morrison who are you picking in that situation
1: I think James Morris is a half-volley expert.
0: That is on the half-volley. It is dropping, but it, maybe you can say, okay, we'll do the half-volley then. want no, don't oh, I want no, no, to unduly colour your answer? A half-volley,
1: I'd go Morrison, full-volley. I'd go Andy Carroll because he's just got some crazy and stupid about him and
2: he'll just do an overhead kick
0: or <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Interesting. Alex, can I press you for an answer there?
2: I would say Kevin Phillips, you know, but I think Andy Carroll out of the two. Alan Shearer, if I'm picking anybody, Alan Shearer is the master of the volley.
0: And there, you've heard it first on the debate club. If you could pick James Morrison or Andy Carroll, the correct answer is Alan Shearer. Al, what did you make of this game, mate?
2: yeah so I agree with Joe to some extent you know I was watching it on telly 15 minutes in I thought all is well in the world Andy Carroll looks good looks like we're going to win this one quite comfortably and then I fell asleep and then woke up with 10 minutes left we were 2-0 down and I thought what on earth has happened here you know what has gone so wrong and I think it's partly as Joe sort of mentions I think the players have down tools I think they're a bit mob happy at the moment like they're not playing for Ishmael anymore but yeah just such a uninspiring performance after the Preston game we needed a bit of electric, we needed some more gusto, but you know, it was just pure snooze really, you know, it was just rubbish.
0: Never a good sign when football can send you to sleep. Insomnia ball, perhaps is that the new name for heart attack ball?
2: Yeah, it's quite Insomnia boring. Insomnia would be quite keeping you up, wouldn't
0: it? Okay, so this is like night owl ball. <laughs> yeah.
1: Horlicks ball. <laughs>
0: yes, I think we just got the name of the episode. Horlicks ball, I do like that. Yeah, that's the first piece of merchandise we're going to produce will be mugs that say Horlicks ball on the outside.
2: Hang on a minute, Jamie. Are those dollar signs in your eyes?
0: I'm seeing pure green right now. (laughs) I've got to be honest with this game. It was a tough watch again like you said Joe there was that initial moment where you thought if Carol scores that goal does it kind of rewrite the whole script of the game does it mean that we go on to win I just think like you it's difficult to say that the players aren't trying but I just know that they're capable of more than this and then it does lead you to the thoughts like have they down tools is there kind of a general feeling in the changing room that Val's tenure is at the very best on the ropes but more realistically it looks like it's pretty much going to come to an end in the next week or so most people I guess before the game were expecting that Millwall would kind of be that potential knockout blow lots of boxing analogies today but he survived probably one of the things that we should comment on there was quite a lot of agitation in the crowd so to speak game had to be stopped a couple of times because there were flares on the pitch I think is there one I saw one video circulating on YouTube is it like someone frisbeed a seat onto the pitch did that happen?
1: I believe so, yeah. Um, I don't think it's right. There is frustration, boo, heckle, chant, but throwing chairs and flares onto the pitch, it's just not right, is it? It's just not the dumb thing. And you've got children, everything there. You could have brought your children there. I could have brought my children there. You know, it's just scary. Don't want that for them.
2: It doesn't give any of us a good name, does it? You know, just these, these hooligans messing about, you know, destroying other teams' stadiums. It's just not good. You know, it just creates a bad name for everyone.
1: I think it's interesting, though. I saw some people debating about this. They went on the Hawthorne's debate club, though. Okay. They don't debate. Yeah, don't debate properly. So they were saying if that was the opposite way around, if Mill were doing that at the Albion, how much more would it be in the press than it is for the Albion now? And it is right.
0: I think it's probably true, to be fair. I think that this was on the cards. There's a lot of people talking on social media that there was likely to be some sort of retaliation for kind of the events at the back of the End when Millwall played against us. I think if you couple that with the really toxic, sour atmosphere that there is at the Albion, and I'm I'm not trying to make an allowance for it like you. It's not right, ultimately, as you say. And I just think, if I could imagine a scenario where it was going to happen, it's this kind of scenario. I just think the mood around the club, it's so dismal right now that the scenes when i saw them i just wasn't shocked at all i just genuinely think it's a message to the board it's not the best way to send a message but obviously now the club will have to pay fines obviously if they identify you alex for throwing that chair um you'll be banned from future games he was
1: asleep on his horlicks
0: that's very true Alex. <laughs> that's an alibi that's my now, alibi. <laughs> Not to make light of what happened, of course, but obviously I just, again, it just speaks to the mood around the Hawthorns. I think the problem was that so many of us, and I said this at the very start, we keep telling ourselves that how can it possibly get worse? We can't keep losing. We can't keep turning out and giving these desperate performances. I'm at the point now where I just want Val to go and I'm scared that he's going to save himself by putting in the performance. And when he came out on Friday's press conference, there were rumours rumour circulator in left, right and centre that he had gone. And when he came out and he said, oh, we're going to go back to the way we were, I was worried, <laughs> which sounds mad, that we were going to come out and play well and that we were going to go for it. We were going to smash Millwall and he was going to save his own skin basically which would have been really frustrating because it would have just felt like well why did you stop doing this but then after the game i think most people were expecting him to go and nothing happened but since saturday evening Following the game where I guess loads of us were on social media clicking refresh to wait for that breaking news story from one of the journalists saying that a club statement had been released, the foul had gone and James Morrison would be taking over caretaker duties for the foreseeable future. Something to that extent kept refreshing and nothing at all. And Alex has used the term in our notes here, which I think is the most pertinent description to describe the situation. And that is, Alex, do you want to give it like a dramatic voicing?
2: Radio silence from the club.
0: I mean, you captured the Shakespearean drama perfectly there.
2: I think we should have it with a bit of reverb from Joe.
0: Oh, go on then Joe, the voice of God.
1: Radio silence from the club.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Your audience, if you heard any kind of interference before that, that is the reverb dial on Joe's microphone, where it increases the godlike nature of his voice. Yeah. So you heard it there, radio silence from the club. Oh, a quick shout out to Arnold as well. Arnold, who's now kind of club legend for his appearance on Radio WM. Get him out! Anyone else wanna try it?
1: Get him out. That was um Well he's from Germany, isn't he? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's, he's Austrian, Australian. no. But Val. Is he German? Yes.
2: Yeah, he lives in Germany
0: anyway. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is there any confirmation that is Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's disguised his voice? I'm
2: pretty sure don't we have Austrian listeners? It could be Arnold Schwarzenegger, is all I'm thinking.
0: Let's have a little look at a discussion around Val here. Let's start with a question. Are you guys surprised that we've heard nothing at all? But were you expecting to hear something regarding Valerian Ishmael after the Millwall game?
1: Yeah, totally. I think normally, like when we had Slaven Village, it was just instant, wasn't it? There was no thought or anything like we drew to Man City and everyone really heard about it that night, didn't they? There was a leak or whatever. But this time, I just think it's kind of unfair to Val because I think he's in a sticky situation now. If they haven't spoke to him about sacking him yet, like he can't be the manager anymore, can he? Really? Like the fans are against him. The players aren't playing for him or they're not playing well under him and don't work with his tactics. They should have just told him straight away and just said like, you're on Garden Eve and then actually told the fans because the fans are getting worse now. So the Sheffield United game, he's got to have gone by them. We should be looking for another manager.
0: A report has come out in The Telegraph this evening suggesting that he will still be holding training on Wednesday when the players return after this little break, this mini break they've been on. Allegedly, there is still no certainty, though, as you're saying, Joe, as to whether he'll even be in charge of the Sheffield United game. But I guess the big concern there is then, well, all of these days of preparation ahead of what will be a really crucial match In the long term for Albion are they being eaten into by the lack of decision from the board alex you've been on the the pendulum as it swings a little bit away from valerian ishmael support he was your guy for a long time but as joe said i think most fans are now of an opinion where his position is kind of untenable like were you surprised on saturday to see that he still had his job
2: yeah, I have to admit I was. Like I say, I'm one of the people that's kind of behind Ishmael. I want to see him do well. I think we all want to see him do well, sorry. But I think the way I look at it now is from Ishmael's point of view, he's really got to please three stakeholders. So you've got the board, which we just don't hear anything from. Like I say, radio silence, no communication whatsoever yesterday or days before that. You've got the fans. I mean, it's pretty clear that the majority of fans are against Ishmael managing the club. People want him out. And then you've got the players and he's fallen out with at least publicly at least three players with Johnston, Snodgrass, you know, and I think Pereira as well earlier on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's he's not really got the players on his side. So who is he there for now? I mean, I can't see the board being pleased with his performances and what he's delivering at the moment, but I completely understand that there's other factors in terms of the payoff and they did see it as a long-term vision when they first appointed him? Are they sticking to that? Are they being strict with themselves?
0: I know this isn't the feel sorry for Val podcast right now and I know there's a lot of frustration out there regarding him there's some really weird things going on at Albion though and like you say Alex like the radio silence is just throws you back to last summer when communication was just one of the most obvious issues with the club and one of the things that I just can't understand at the moment is who is helping Val out like surely his coaching staff his backroom staff all of these people who he's put around him i do have a bit of a conspiracy theory about the lack of support he gets and as alex has just said off mic there the isolation that valerian ishmael is experiencing imagine albion and that is does it benefit say a james morrison or a character of this likeness to not say anything to val He gets to take over as caretaker manager and he's one footstep away from being a Premier League manager. It's his foot in the door and so he's kind of not saying anything. Waiting for Val to sack himself essentially before he transforms Albion into
2: a juggernaut. I I thought Graham Jones had left the club. Jones. a a snake.
1: It is something which is quite alarming, actually. To be fair, because he only bought that Adam Murray with him, didn't he? He didn't bring anybody else. He bought Adam Murray, and James Morrison stayed in the back room staff, didn't he? And he, he's, I think, he's on the same level as Adam Murray, isn't he? He's like an assistant manager, like I don't know what they're called now. They, they used to be assistant manager back in the day. But would James Morrison play the same tactics as him? No, no, he wouldn't. Would he? No, he's always been but... ticky tacker. Well, he's not ticky tacker.
0: Balland. I don't even think it's anything necessarily to do with the way that James Morrison played. Like Slaven Bilic, for example, was a real like meat and veg defender. And yet he brings real nice on the eyes brand of football. I just think that James Morrison, perhaps being a central midfielder, would look at the difficulties that Alex Mowat and Jake Livermore experienced experiencing and thinking just another body in there would just make a huge difference. I'm not trying to be very cynical about James Morrison here, but I just find no. it is so interesting being sat at the Preston game and looking he- over at Val. And And he was on the touchline, well, in his technical area, and all of his staff were just sat miles away from him, not saying a word.
1: With our board, there's more chance of him having the job to the end of the season than with any other board.
0: Yeah, maybe that is a conspiracy theory. Ticks the box. Another file in the X-Files.
2: It's all a Game of Thrones, isn't it? Political football.
0: Machiavellian machinations behind the scenes at The one of the big points that people bring up in this conversation is obviously something we've already alluded to and that is the long-term contract that valerian ishmael signed at the beginning of the season four-year contract he cost a lot of money to bring out of barnsley and this is seen by a lot of people as a potential reason for the delay in sacking him that the board have committed such a long period ahead that any payoff to sack him is going to cost an awful lot of money. One of the things that I saw floating around on the message boards and whatnot that we all prowl on was this idea that potentially there is a clause within his contract that states if Albion fall out of the playoffs at any point in that will be a clause in his contract that potentially might soften the blow of any financial impact that Sacking might have. Any thoughts there?
1: If we're waiting for that, that is ridiculous, because if you drop out of the playoffs, it might be harder to get back into the playoffs. It's less likely you're going to get promoted. So we're waiting for that. And we paid £2 million for that, wasn't it? The compensation around that. That's nothing compared to what Andy Carroll, I don't know, or Hugo was on the loan fees and everything. I hate this thing where we say I was really dear for a manager, but I guarantee you'd pay a lot of money for Klopp, wouldn't you? And you wouldn't blink an eyelid around it. It's crazy. Blink an
0: eyelid. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Whatever you want to blink. But that's a clause. It's stupid clause. I know you have to have clauses in these, but at this point, we don't want to drop out the playoffs, get him gone, get someone else in and pay up the money.
2: I have to admit, it's always confused me that you have... Players worth hundreds of million pounds and you know fifty plus million, but then managers—you know—you're lucky if you pay a penny for them. People just don't pay compensation, or they're not willing to pay millions of pounds for managers. And it's just something that's always confused me. I never understood it because they're probably the most important part of a club. You could argue.
0: Absolutely, I think for me, I can't necessarily understand that if if this is some sort of trigger in his contract that has been set as an indication of performance, like dropping out of the playoffs being he's failing to meet the objectives set by the club and that somehow gives them a free out there's something about that that makes sense to me i think that like he would have been fairly confident of keeping us as a top six side this season and i think the board were fairly confident of that as well i mean i can't think of any professional pundit or analyst who spoke about the Albion ahead of the season that had us anything lower than third so realistic I can imagine that there is but like you say it feels like a strange thing to wait for if the plan is to get rid of him just get rid of him let's carry on with this discussion then about Val I feel like we've painted him in a fairly sympathetic light up until this point maybe that's not totally true but it feels like when the like the hounds of destruction are baying for blood listening to the podcast right now foaming at the mouth gnashing of teeth all of it present that's not to describe our audience as canines in any way shape or form but just to say that there is a lot of animosity and anger in the fan base at the moment so i feel like we do need to kind of feed that somewhat let's have a look at some of these statistics this very much feels like the wheelhouse of alex's research on wikipedia corner
2: Okay, so he's won three games in 17, currently sitting fifth in the table after 29 games, which is joint seventh on goal difference with Middlesbrough and Huddersfield. We could be sixth if Middlesbrough win their game in hand. We're currently sitting eight points off automatic promotion, 10 points if Bournemouth win their game in hand. This is
0: not where any of us expected to be, and we've already said this, but statistics like three in 17 are so astonishing to me. It it baffles my mind that any manager in the league, whatever club they're at, despite their expectations, three in 17 is a horrible, horrible record. Where does that place us in the form table? Does anyone know?
1: Uh, In the last 15 games, we would be 20th.
0: 20th. So relegation form. Yeah, 20th in the league. Genuinely, you know like in horror movies, like I said at the start, like Jason Voorhees, and he'll get like blown up or like pushed off a cliff and they'll look and they'll see his mangled body at the bottom of like a waterfall or like burning in the car, whatever scenario you wanna play out there. And then they'll like comfort each other in their fear and everything, then they'll turn around, the body's gone because he still lives he cannot be killed and I just feel like at the moment Val is surviving something that no other manager I can think of has ever survived this is with the kind of general expectations that were kind of surrounding Albion this season. This run of form has got to be one of our worst ever and I can't understand that how You thread the needle of us somehow breaking our best ever start to a season record. I can't see how that slides in there, but somehow it does.
1: I think in any other job, if you were this badly performing, you'd be put on like a performance management, you know, you'd be sitting with your manager all the time, one to one every week, checking how you're doing, making sure you're doing everything correctly. But there's literally nothing. He's just got away with everything. And I think that is kind of down to that we haven't got a director of football or technical director. He's got nothing to answer to. The distance between the board and the club and the fans and the manager and the team. He's just got away with everything. And that statistic of we'd be 20th in the last 15 games is just damning, isn't it? Any other club. He would have been sacked, and if he was Watford, he'd been sacked after the day he was employed. But this needed to happen. It needed to happen before the Preston game. I would have sacked him happily after the Peterborough game, to be honest.
0: What's the opposite of knee jerk reaction?
2: Elbow jerk, <laughs> laziness. But I don't understand how we've gone up until Preston unbeaten at home. Like, it just baffles me. And then on the form table, we're seeing 20 if over 15 games. But I think also another thing that I think is mad is with the players we've got, even if we had a pool manager, you think like, surely they can get more wins than three. I just, I just think it's, it's an absolute shambles at the moment, isn't it? I just don't get it at all. It just doesn't add up.
0: You know what? I think we have lost at home this season again perhaps we're dipping into conspiratorial waters here that there's some sort of on mass brainwashing happening at the albion like in batman forever where the riddler tries to take over everyone's minds i feel like we've had false memories implanted that albion have somehow got through this season without being being at home when it's just categorically not true it can't possibly be true after what i've been watching so that's where i kind of get off there I
1: just think it's a bit embarrassing um that we talk about not losing at home. It doesn't make any difference if you don't lose at home. You could draw every game still, you're not going to get many points drawing every game. And we've got the 10th highest goal scorer in the league. How are we doing so bad? How has it gone so wrong? The players underperforming. We've got great players there. The tactics, the stubbornness of the manager. It's crazy how it's gone so wrong. Even... Like you said, Alex, we should be doing a lot better with those players there. So it's a combination of the players not trying or the players not getting Val's formation tactics and him sticking and being stubborn. And it's literally, it's driving us down the league. And at this rate, if they don't sack him for the Sheffield United match, I can't see him sacking him for a month or so. And we'll be 10th or 11th by then.
0: I don't want them to sack him too quick, because it almost makes this podcast completely irrelevant if they do oh, we, sack him. So. We
1: were saying that. He'll probably be
2: sacked when everyone's listening to
0: this. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and we're like moaning about it and stuff.
2: Just a quick one on that, because he's returning back from Germany tomorrow. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be clear the air talks tomorrow. And if there is going to be any news breaking, it would be tomorrow. But that's just another, uh, another mind to navigate in the field, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly is a the, complication. I think one it of, reminds me of the
1: David Wagner episode,
0: <laughs> which was relevant for about six and a half hours.
2: Um. <laughs> Just whatever you do, Jamie, don't call it the Monsieur Ishmael episode. <laughs>
0: yeah. How alfida saying or whatever yeah i think obviously there's gonna have to be some sort of breaking of the radio silence from the club in the next couple of days because you would expect a statement to come out the boat of confidence at the very minimum i would have thought i've got a horrible feeling that after i've edited this podcast all night that we're going to wake up to hear news that he's actually been released from his duties, but hypothetically then, I guess this is a nice place to enter into the next conversation. There were some bits and pieces circulated on social media that Albion had reached out to Tony Mowbray. Now, I'm not sure how legal that is to approach other managers and tap them up and feel them out for the role and stuff, but obviously a lot of discussions then were going on around, would you take Tony Mowbray back to the end of the season, or one of the more successful managers at the club recently got us to, well, won the league with us and and he also got us to a semi-final in the FA Cup, which is exciting. I guess let's have a quick conversation there. Then, if Val does go, one would you like Tony Mowbray? And if not Tony Mowbray, then who would you say is your like front runner for the job?
2: I think Mowbray's uh, contract's up in the summer, isn't it? So I think it's like an obvious choice. And if we can have Morrison caretaking until the end of the season, building up his experience, perhaps to become Tony Mowbray's successor, that would be a good sort of direction to go in. But I, I would love Mowbray at the club. Like, I really enjoyed watching him with Texeria and Corrin in the midfield with Greening. And, you know, it was a really good team to watch, that was.
1: I love how you saying Morrison's going to fulfil Jemmy's conspiracy.
0: <laughs> you watch it, mate. You mark my words.
1: Tony Mowbray, great manager, and he has got better. We were a bit weak at the back defensively, and we were too ticky tacky sometimes, and we came undone. But yeah, I'd love him there. I think he—it's uh, the best football I've seen for the Albion in my lifetime. Is it that thing? Do you go back to the people of the past? He's not Sir Alex Ferguson. It's not like Man United going back to him. He was great for us, but he didn't do too many great things. Like Steve Clark did better. Roy Hodgson, obviously, we can't have him, but those managers did better. But if Steve Clark was mentioned, I bet there wouldn't be as much love for Steve Clark.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there. I do think that. Tony Mowbray is such like an important part of the Albion zeitgeist in terms of the way we want to perform. He's such the opposite, I guess, of and Ishmael, in, rather than bypassing the thirds and, and just lumping it long. It's, it's very much a progressive play through the thirds. I do think he's evolved from what you're describing, Joe, which was that kind of overplaying sometimes kind of sideways and backwards a lot of the time but retaining possession for possession's sake i think if you just look at blackburn how he's got that team playing with players that comfortably are on paper at least worse than what we have technically speaking at the very least i do wonder what he would be like with our players of our caliber i think like you say about steve clark and other managers that perhaps done better than him i really rate steve clark i think he probably is better then Tony Mowbray overall in what he achieved at the Albion. But the one big asterisk against Steve Clark is that front line that he had with Lukaku, Odin Wingy, Shane Long and, and various others. I think it, that almost goes against him, which is probably really, really unfair. But I think between him and Roy Hodgson, they had some team to manage. And I just wonder, out of all of them coming back, I guess Mowbray having a chance with a decent squad, what he could do.
1: Yeah, your thing about Steve Clark, yeah, he did have a great forward line, but you could say that about Val now for the championship. He's got a great forward line. He's got Carlin Grant, who's a proven goal scorer, has always done it in the championship. Callum Robinson, proven goal scorer in the championship. Dean Garner, again, not a proven goal scorer, but he performs in the championship. What Steve Clark was, he's a man manager wasn't he? He got the team, he was a friend of the players and I just think that's something we need now. I don't know what Val is like in the dressing room but he doesn't strike me as someone who puts an arm around a player, you know.
0: Like a headlock maybe. I think <laughs> the best kind of comparison that I can think of in my mind is the season where we had Tony Pulis and Alan Pardew and it was just an absolute disaster of a season. It was quite obvious that we were going to go down and they sacked Pardew and let Big Dave take over the reins. And obviously Big Dave, incredibly popular manager, well, incredibly popular person and then popping him as manager, popular with the fans, popular with the players. And it, it didn't take a lot just to swing things around in terms of it wasn't necessarily about getting new players in or anything like that. It was just the players having a friend, someone who backed them. And suddenly we went on this amazing run and actually nearly stayed up that season. And I do wonder whether it's as simple as kind of trying to do that again, emulate that and say, here you go, James Morrison and Chris Brunt have this project to the end of the season, and then we'll we'll reevaluate at the end of the season. I think at this point, the expectation is that we're not going up because I think the playoffs are such a lottery. Even if finishing the playoffs, you're almost surrendered to chance. So it would be interesting, really. I think that's where my mind leans towards is letting James Morrison and whoever take over and kind of have a run with it.
1: A duo manager? Yeah. It hasn't what, been one of those. I think Salford was the only team I've heard have done that.
0: The Cowley Brothers, was it?
1: Oh, Cowley Brothers, but he was, there was one dominant brother like I am in this. Yeah, absolutely. Brother, uh, you know.
0: The bro- brother combos, the one where like Joe's the face of it. The Hardy Boys? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, the Hardy yeah. Boys, Dudley Boys.
0: Dudley boys that's what
1: they could call themselves as well get
0: the the table (laughs) the amount of times we reference WWF tag teams on this podcast is beyond ridiculous but it always fits well and perfectly so that being said Val is still our manager no doubt he isn't when you're listening to this just because that's the dice that fate will roll at this podcast and it will be completely irrelevant and it is amazing. Nobody could see it coming, but Zinedine Zidane professing his undying love for West Bromwich Albion, a passion project taken over straight from Val. It was unexpected, but we just want to echo our welcome to Mr Zidane. Bonjour, um, and we hope that your eight-year contract that you've signed with the club goes fruitfully.
2: I love his nickname, Zidane's Zuzu.
0: I can hear the Brummie Road then chanting that.
1: I heard that he is uh, he's kept James Morrison as his assistant as well.
0: They did. That was the, that was in that that was a tweet. Early doors. Yeah, we're really excited to see what he can do. Right. So the club are all coming back today when you listen to this. They've all come back. Everyone was on holiday, apparently, and I don't know whether that was the case on transfer deadline day, but it very much felt watching transfer deadline day unfold that not just albin had gone on holiday but the entire sporting football industrial complex had gone on holiday because so little happened on transfer deadline day the whole spectacle and carnival atmosphere that sky sports have turned into is just absolutely insane to me i've never forgiven them since they said that lukaku was at the training ground um, negotiating a deal and then it turned out that he was in belgium they're liars don't believe them Anyway, Transfer Deadline Day happened, allegedly. The club, radio silent until, Alex, would you care to tell us what they told us via Twitter on Transfer Deadline Day?
2: They wished Zahore a happy birthday. Of all the players as well, there couldn't have been a player that's more ironic to wish him a happy birthday. Like I saw on Twitter, like a few people are saying, yeah, happy birthday, Zahore. I hope you're enjoying spending our wages. The
0: celebrations were extravagant, no doubt.
2: There were some
0: bits and pieces that did happen over the weekend. Obviously, Andy Carroll signed. I did say on last week's podcast that I wasn't interested and about four hours later, he was one of our players it's always fun when that happens but having reflected and heard his interviews and i guess not just dismissed him for like the caricature of the kind of player he is i feel like he does add something he seems quite charming and he spoke well in his interviews and he certainly seems excited to play Borus. and according to all the reports he's not playing for very much in terms it's not costing us much at all to come in and join us what did you guys make of andy carroll signing obviously we've already seen him once but
1: like you, wasn't too sold on it at the start, but you watch those two disallowed goals he scored for Reading, and you just start to wonder what he can do for us on side. So yeah, I, I think it's better than nothing, isn't it? He's a handful, and he works for Val's football, I suppose. And if Val's not there, he'd probably be on the bench for the next manager. So,
0: and he's not
2: costing much.
0: So, Al, would you like to hit us with some statistics about Mister Carroll?
2: Yeah, if you just follow me into my corner so his full name is andrew thomas carroll he was born on the 6th of january so unfortunately we missed his birthday uh last month he's currently 33 years old born in gateshead in england he's six foot and four inches it's probably about the same size as joe maybe a bit smaller throughout his career he's played for newcastle where he made his name, really, scoring 31 goals in 80 appearances. Since then, he's played through a number of different clubs, including Liverpool and West Ham. And overall, he's scored... Let me just get it. that figure.
0: Are you calculating? Scored...
2: Yeah, in my head. Can you hear the, the cogs ticking? He's scored 74 goals in 306 appearances which is you know it's not too bad he's a real talisman type striker isn't he i wasn't that excited when he signed because he's quite old and with his injury record it's quite worrying but i suppose we need somebody to replace dk after his unfortunate injury and i think you know the market at the moment is you know it's not as active as it has been in the past so i think he can do a job for us and like i say the first 15 minutes against millwall it did look like somebody who could you know mix things up a little bit he seems you know with his age as well he could be a bit of a leader in the changing room perhaps to sort of remind players that you know you're being paid to play put more of an effort in so i've heard he's into fishing as well which i quite enjoy apparently he does fishing to relax so he sounds like a good character to have around
0: I think that's what kind of struck me, apart from my initial prejudices against him about the expectation of type of football that he brings. I guess when Reading played us at Albion, he looked fairly static to me. It almost looked like the ball didn't reach him perfectly. He, he wasn't able, he didn't have the mobility, he didn't have the ability to bring much else to kind of the central striker role. And I guess my fear would have been before hearing that he'd signed would be that to sign him is to kind of bow down to the shrine of long ball that Val wants to bring into the club and that's what Mm. scares me about Andy Carroll is it's like, well, we're just nailing our colours to the mast. In theory, we are saying we are a long ball side. This isn't Val saying, how can I make my system work? This is Val saying... I'm going even harder at the system. It's kind of like that. He doesn't seem like a direct replacement for DK. I don't think DK is a target man at all. I think we'll probably see the best of him under a different manager than Val. Really do. I think he suits other styles of play. But Andy Carroll, for me, hopefully he isn't just set aside. Because I think that would be really unfair. But we'll see how it goes.
1: I was just thinking, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we went about the acronym or the initials of our strikers. So we have now got GCR, so Grant Carroll Robinson, and I've just looked up the acronym for that, and the first one that came up was the Galactic Cosmic Rays. That's what we've got up front now,
0: the Galactic Cosmic Rays. That is, that sounds perfect. They're going to send us to the stars. What was it? The Galactic Cosmic Stars? Rays. Rays. Yeah. Who's S? Alan Shearer (laughs) and his follies. Let's have a think then. What else happened on deadline day? Oh, yeah. So, parting the club, there was a number of youngsters that went out on loan. um, And we wish them the best of luck wherever they go. Hugel departed. Jordan Hugel, fan favourite Jordan Hugel, who just became more or less a whipping boy at the club. Much derided for his performances. I have to say... I feel like he was treated unfairly. A lot of the time, I don't think many strikers are going to thrive in a vow system. However, that being said, he was guilty of some just brutal misses. And his Albion highlights reel is like pretty, pretty grim watch, really. He left us, went back to Norwich and was very, very quickly loaned back out to Cardiff City, in he made his debut and scored. How many minutes in was it? Six minutes six minutes into his Cardiff debut.
1: He made a few gestures, didn't he? His hands cupped around his ears, a tweet, but apparently it wasn't aimed at the Albion fans, it was aimed at Andy Carroll, because they're good mates, and he's just obviously replaced him at the Albion, so...
0: Yeah, well, whoever it was to... Jordan Hugel well done on scoring and you know what best of luck to him I don't have any begrudging feelings is that a phrase against Jordan Hugel I think he's a limited player in a fundamentally flawed system and it just didn't work out for him but he seemed like a good guy so hopefully things work out for him at Cardiff another player who's departed the scene was Robert Snodgrass he's agreed to mutually terminate his contract with the club another victim of Val's style of play he's as Alex has already stated publicly fallen out with Val. I don't think there's any confirmation around this, but I think a lot of people suspect that Snodgrass may have confronted him about the style of play. Snodgrass probably would have been, if not our most obviously creative player.
2: Maybe he challenged him to a wrestling match again.
0: Another wrestling match in the
2: showers. He's always at it. He's like Putin, isn't he? Always wrestling.
0: In the boiler room.
1: (laughs) Did you see his um, tweet or Instagram where he thanked everybody except well did he everybody's down to kit men kit ladies receptionist <laughs> security
0: <laughs> went in. that one lad I met in that time who was covering for the other lad who was working at Christmas parking cars thank you for your support I do feel
1: sorry for him because he's been obviously he's at the latter end of his career and he has had a lot of injuries since he's been at the Albion so I don't think it's as big as a loss as we could have you know like if one of our... Well, we haven't got any other creative players. But if someone else left, like Pereira, when Pereira left, you know, like... Oh gosh, the volume raises. I just think he's been treated badly by Val. He made that one bad pass against Fulham. And I think he was hounded because that's not where he plays. He's not a deep defensive midfielder.
0: I got to be honest I do I feel sorry for Snodgrass again like you said I feel like he was played in a system that was never going to shine he is definitely on the creative end of the footballing spectrum I believe it when it was said that he probably challenged Val about the style of play I I can imagine Snodgrass being quite an outspoken character like loved in the dressing room but not afraid to share his thoughts I don't think he's had a great career at the Albion I really don't I think it's quite funny Joe's just sent through the photo where he's thanked every human being that's ever even been past the Hawthorns for his time at the Albion so that's really interesting that Val is not the person mentioned on there but like I said I don't think he's had a great run at Albion marred by injuries ultimately it's not a great loss even going forward I would have said
1: but we thank him for his performance against Wolves last season
0: Absolutely. absolutely
1: he was quality in that
0: really good really good yeah well done Robert Snodgrass and obviously now he leaves the club and he's got up until the end of March to sign for a new club So I imagine that there'll be a few championship clubs sniffing around for him there. And that was the entirety of transfer deadline day, apart from the fact that it was Kenneth Sahore's birthday. And naturally, the club are preoccupied with celebrating Kenneth rather than any kind of transfer activity that might have been necessary to strengthen the club. But that was it, yeah. On a day where normally most of us would be sat down watching Sky Sports News or constantly clicking refresh on message boards, waiting for hints of cars and registration plates in the East End car park, nothing at all happened. And we were left wanting more, but were greeted with radio silence. Let's fly through some other bits and pieces of news as we draw to the end of the podcast. Albion's women team have reached the fifth round of the Vitality Women's FA Cup for only the second time in their history. So congratulations to them. They beat Exeter women on penalties after a nil-nil draw, holding their nerve to advance through to the next round. So congratulations to them. Um, and our under-18s team beat Man United's under-18s team not the 18. So well done to them, that was a 2-0 result. Correct?
1: Correct. I want you to do it like they uh, announce on BBC. Can you do it with your reverb?
0: The classified results as read to us by God.
1: Albion under 18's two. Man United under 18's zero. Oh, well, it's nil, isn't it?
0: Oh, well. it right again, God.
1: Albion <laughs> under 18's two. Man United under-18s, nil.
0: Thank you, God. Right, well, that kind of (laughs) wraps up the news for this week. We will, well, we could preview the Sheffield United game, but I'm a little bit hesitant because right now, we don't know what the situation is, the club. And I imagine, as we've already said, that there'll be some statements released this week which could impact the preview effectively. What we're expecting in a week's time, a week in Albion kind of timeline at the moment feels like an awfully long time away it could be a lot of change in that time it could be exactly the same A valerian ishmael could rise again and kind of be taking charge of the sheffield united game but i i think we'll have to wait till see right guys it's wednesday now effectively yeah people are listening to this from the future our future friends are listening to this right now your prediction it's lunchtime Oh, I'm putting a bit of a deadline on me editing it here. It's lunchtime. Is Valerian Ishmael still our manager?
2: Yes. Yep.
0: Well, regardless of what lies ahead for us all in life, the Albion, with Ishmael, the future, with the unknown, with the abyss awaiting us all, Alex, it might be time to pack away the life size Valerian Ishmael cutout you have in your bedroom. And it might be time to unpack. The James Morrison one. But who knows? My prediction is that by the time this podcast comes out, Valerian Ishmael will not be our manager um, when you're listening to this. But with that cliffhanger teasing you there, I think we can call it a night, boys, if you're up for calling it a night. Yeah. Joe currently looks like the cartoon character that's in the Radiohead Paranoid Android video. That might be a bit of an obscure reference. If that's too obscure a reference, go on YouTube that video. Excellent song. And Joe looks like the little cartoon character in it right now. So all that remains for me to say after that is (laughs) thank you to Alex. Cheers. Thank you to Joe. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Hawthorne's The Bake And we'll see you next week. Sweet dreams. (laughs)